worst commute. Even when I go out to visit my mother, I'm like, never. No matter when it is, yeah. I'm never looking forward to that drive. You know? I, I do the same thing. I visit my mom. She's yeah. in Comac, and that's all oh. What kind of cases do you um, mostly handle? So we are the um, lawyers for the Captains and Dowman Association. Oh. Right? For the NYPD? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, Louis, what's your law firm called, anyway? My law firm is La Pietra. That's me. And my partner, Krieger. La Pietra and Krieger. Okay. Ironically, our website is xcoplawyer.com. <laughs> this is a big surprise, right? Um, so we are counsel to the Captain's Endowment Association. The, we are chief counsel to the New York State Fraternal Order of Police, the FOP. Mm-hmm. And we also represent the New York State Police Investigators Association. Mm-hmm. So uh, we do not everything, but a little bit of everything because we represent those organizations. But what I mostly do is represent cops, who get jammed up, and or their family members who get jammed up. That's the bulk of my... What do you mean, their family members who get jammed so, up? So, you know, a, a member of the service says, you know, my, my son got into a fight in school. Like, you know, oh, he's, okay. he's got a problem. you got to mm-hmm. help him out. Or, um, I mean, my very, So very, they can call you up. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my first case, I mean, so I was in the police department and I did every legal job there was in the police department. I got uh, drafted into the advocate's office in 1994 as a law student, and I went kicking and screaming, did not want to go. Why? Um, because I, I thought of it as, you know, I don't want to prosecute cops because that's when, when, you know, the trial room, right? So mm-hmm. you're in the advocate, you are the prosecutor, and I did not want to go. When you, t- you have to tell the job that you're going to law school, is that why they, they, they scoop you up? Um, so I don't know that you have to tell them, but I did tell them because I wanted certain hours so I can make okay. my classes. So because you use that as an excuse and they, right. they're going to take a piece of you. So yeah, pretty much. I mean, I had put in for legal, I remember. Um, and it was in my, I had finished my first year of law school. So it's my second year of law school. It's 1994. I applied to the legal bureau, which is what people do. Right. And during that time, if you remember, internal affairs would recruit people actively recruit people and so the the department advocate decided that hey if they can do it then we can do it right so i put in for legal bureau i go i get the interview and next thing i know i get a you know a transfer notification that i'm going to the advocate so i go to the commanding officer or the advocate and i'm like hi you know sir i'm you know i i got notified that i'm i'm going to be transferred here i said there's a misunderstanding you know i i didn't apply for this and he goes there's no misunderstanding. He goes, the only misunderstanding is on your part. He goes, you work here now. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And I remember, I, I really did. Did you want try to go over his head? I didn't. I didn't to know stop anybody. To, oh, you I didn't, didn't know have anybody. anybody. He was a deputy inspector. I mean, I was a sergeant. You know. Um. So, the long and short of it is, I go there and I said, okay, I'm just going to be like me, and I'm going to do my own thing. And if they don't like it, then you know, back to patrol, no meal, no problem. I got no problem with that. So I remember, do you guys, I don't know if you remember this, but there used to be a sick leave policy. So in the NYPD, I don't know if they still have it, but they had unlimited sick. Yeah. Right? So if you got sick, you know, you, you got paid as long as you were out sick, yeah. uh, you know, legit, but you couldn't leave your residence without permission. Remember yeah, that? I remember that. So one of the jobs that they, um, in the advocate's office, it's kind of like when you make a collar and you sit with the DA and you talk to the DA and say, this is what I got. And this is right. So the guys who had that squad, there was an, a squad called the Absence Control Unit, mm-hmm. and they were an investigative um, subdivision of the chief of personnel, 
who was Mike Markman at that time. Yeah. Remember Chief Markman? And so um, they had a policy where if you were out sick, they would put a green index card under your door. And it would say, uh, Detective Mark, if you don't call the sick desk within two hours, you're going to get charges. Mm-hmm. Right? And so if you didn't call, you got charges. So they came to me with that case. And I said, okay, so you, you want me to prosecute this guy for out of residence while on sick? And the guy's like, yeah. And I said, but well, how do you know he was out? Well, he didn't, he didn't call. I said, but I might be a dopey law student, but just because he didn't call doesn't, how does that prove the fact that he was out of residence? Mm-hmm. Maybe he was asleep. Maybe he was... Well, obviously, they're knocking on the door first, right? Well, yeah, knock on the door. Before they put the card there. Yeah, they, they, yeah. But again, it's like, you know, yeah, hey. As the one who's out sick, you have a defense to say, hey, I was, you know, I was totally out. I, but I'm nobody so ever sick. I'm so sick I couldn't it, right? get up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of the way it was done. And, and I'm, so I'm like this idealistic law student, right? I'm not, and I don't even want to be there. So the long-haired not, lawsuit without, without <laughs> well, the no, no more hair, hair anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm like. Still a hippie deep down inside. I'm like, listen, man, I'm not, you know, I said, I'm not writing this case. They're like, what do you mean you're not writing the case? They said, you know, this is how we do it. I said, well, come back to me with some proof. You got it. Mm -hmm. They come back three days later and they got, back then we had VHS tapes. They were like these big. Oh, yeah. So they go, we got a tape of the guy. I go, great, let's watch it. So I watch the tape. (laughs) Um, and they're about two blocks away and you see a white Ford Explorer, Uh right? Leaving, they go, that's him. I go, what do you mean that's him? I say, I see the car, where's he? Uh That's his car. Uh I'm like, yeah, but where is he? Uh I said, you got a picture of him? Mm -hmm. I said, did you see him? Are you willing to swear in in a courtroom that you saw the guy leave? Well, we we were like up the block. We really couldn't see him that good. I go, so... You can't tell me it was him. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not bringing a case. They're like, but that's his car. Look, here's the registration. I'm like, so how do you know it wasn't his wife or his girlfriend? Like, I'm like, I said, bring the car and we'll prosecute the car. They can't even get a red light summons conviction right? like that, right? So you person. got bounced out the next day. No, I, so it's interesting because um, my plan and my motivation was to get bounced out the next day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so I remember there was an assistant commissioner and, and this deputy inspector who... We, uh, Stephen Kennedy, who, who went on to become the Bronx chief of detectives. I don't know if you remember him. We I wanted to become close over it, you know. So we had a meeting, and they were like, well, what's going on? What are you doing? Like, what's your problem? I, so I, I told him what my problem was. And the assistant commissioner, who was somewhat of an academe, you know, he was somebody who was really like would look at the law, goes, you know, he's got a point. He goes, I want to take it up to, uh, to chief of personnel. Fast forward a month later, they want me to make a presentation to the chief of personnel and all these people about why the job should change its policy. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm telling the chief of personnel, in, in the chief of personnel's conference room, right? And uh, he pounds on the table and he goes, but you know that this is what they're doing. And I said, chief, with all due respect, what I know has nothing to do with it. I thought we were here to, you know, prove a case. You know, I'm not here to... I'm, I'm assume. Here to, you can't assume, you know, right? You know, yeah. and uh, they, they changed the policy. Good. So instead of, instead of bouncing me out, they gave me more cases. Okay, but what about all the <laughs> lawyers know? that were there that were on the job, cops before you, that what did they do? They just did whatever they told them to do? You know what? They had... Um, 
it's almost like uh, they weren't going to rock the boat. They had Monday through Friday, right. 10 to 6. They were happy in where they were. I didn't want to be there. And here so. comes my cousin Vinny. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, All of a sudden, they get uh, my cousin Vinny. Uh, oh, uh, listen to me. Uh, uh, my, There's no facts here. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but Where that's another fact? reason. Like, a lot of times, as a sergeant, you would call the legal bureau. Yeah. And you always hated to call them because they had the balls the size of a fucking pigeon. You know what I mean? And they would give you the path of least resistance. Any time it looked like the department could get sued, they'd say, well, Sarge, I wouldn't do that because of this, that. And, you know, you make ballsy decisions on the yeah. street all the time. Yeah. But if you called the legal bureau, they'd say, oh, no, back away, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so. uh, I wound up doing that job, too. And I, I uh, How long did you stay in the uh, advocate's office? So I was in the advocate, uh, advocate from 94 till 97. And then in 97, there was a big scandal in the license division. And they replaced the commanding officer. The gun, gun, the gun license? Yeah, the pistol license division. And um, Another, An earlier scandal than the oh, one there, we there, just there's had. Been, there's been probably two or three. But yeah, an earlier scandal. So this is 97. And now I had just graduated law school. And the, the CO of the advocate became the CO of the license division. And he's like, um, you can have one lawyer. And he, and he wanted me to go with him. And I'm like... Because, you know, we had to, like, revamp the hearings and whatever it is that they were doing. So I did. I did that. I went to the license division. I was in the license division for a year and a half or two. Then I became the lawyer for the OEEO, Office oh, of Equal Employment that Opportunity. Must have been a- <laughs> well, that was another place where I made problems. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, I was trying to uh, do the right thing. And... Although I can't talk about the facts, I, I wouldn't write something up the way they wanted it written up. Right. And um, when the lawsuit finally came, they basically wanted me to change the the facts of what happened to cover up two very um, high-ranking members of the department that the 14th floor was trying to protect. Then they were getting sued. And then they ultimately got sued. And then when I met with the corporation counsel in the law department, I said, listen, guys, um, I worked way too hard for my law degree. Uh, I'm not writing this up. The Tell way me, they you're want a it. lawyer for the police department, right? That's looking to protect police officers. Well, high-ranking officials in this particular case. Okay, um, but they were still police officers, right? Or they were? They, they were. They were police well, they officers. To- but what happened was the commissioner of EEO and the commander of EEO got fired because they wouldn't. They wouldn't go along. With I just the think it's interesting. It's fascinating that you have a department lawyer whose uh, job basically is probably to follow along and play the yeah. play the game. And the game that you were supposed to play on this particular occasion was that you were supposed to create a scenario where you're protecting other police officers. Pretty much. And you chose to do the right thing. Well, they wanted a yes lawyer. And I yeah. said, I'm not a yes lawyer. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, because I'm they gonna... also, in, in, in essence, wanted you to violate the law. Well, and I made it very clear... In, in that I, I, a I wasn't going to do that. B my law degree means more to me than my career, and I, at that point, at that point, I was I could vest out. Right. I'm not doing this. Right. Long and sto- the long and short of it is, I never had to give testimony in that case. The city settled the case, and then uh, I left that command. Then I went to legal, and then I was one of those guys that would pick up the phone. <laughs> but um, that lasted. Me picking up the phone lasted about six months, and then they asked me to be a managing attorney. And when I was a managing attorney of something called legislative affairs, where we would write um, testimony for the police commissioner at city council hearings and talk about different laws that we would either lobby for or against on behalf 
of the NYPD. Um, and then from, from that job, the guy whose place I took as managing attorney became an assistant commissioner for DCAS. So he leaves. What is that DCAS? The Department of Citywide Administrative Services. They're the people who, among so other things, these, uh, so they, they administer tests. Man. Oh, my you know. God. But, oh, there's a lot of agencies. And they... Um, and most of the appointees are political hacks, usually, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but this guy was a, 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 a really hardworking sergeant, good Sergeant Tom Tuffy, who was my predecessor. So he leaves. He goes as an assistant commissioner to DCAS. They ask me to be managing attorney mm-hmm. of legislative. Um, and then a year plus into that position, the mayor's office calls and says, hey, we want you to come and work in the mayor's office as um, counsel to the mayor's criminal justice court. Who was the mayor at the time? Giuliani. Giuliani. And, um, and I said, you know, thanks, but I'm good. They're like, what do you mean you're good? Like you can't <laughs> turn that down, I'm right? I'm like, nah, you know, they're like, well, what does that mean you're good? I'm like, well, I said, um, you know, I... I got a private office, mm-hmm. right? I had a windowed office on the 14th floor, and I had a garage space as a sergeant in headquarters, which is kind of like yeah, pretty much man, the top of my name. Nice. Yeah. I, I wasn't, for some reason, I couldn't pass the lieutenant's test. Do you remember there was, a, there was a lieutenant's test? So I took the 88 sergeant's test, and there was not a lieutenant's test. Until 96. 96. And in 96, I was in the middle of law school. I kind of took the test, but I, I half-assed it. And I, I didn't make the list, right? So I'm like, I'm retiring as a sergeant, like... It ain't going to, you know, it's not going to get better. But then I had an office I shared with a guy on Broadway. So I would go before work, after work. I was like always hustling, trying to build my practice. So I, so I, I said, you know, I'm good. And they're like, you're good. So they said, why don't you think about what you need? And then we're going to call you in two days. <laughs> so I didn't know how to deal with that. Do you remember Lieutenant Dan Albano? Yes. He was at the academy for years. Yeah. And then he Think went about to what a legal need. I never heard that before. So what I didn't I never heard it either, right? So I didn't know I didn't I know what, that's a good thing. I well, didn't know what that meant. No, nah, they can hurt you too. That's a bit of a threat. So, you know, wow. I said to I Dan just, Albano it's and a I, curious way of putting yeah, words there. It's, it's, like, it's, like it's a threat. It's a good a it's a good line for a movie. Think about what you need. Think about what you need, right? So I said, Dan, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm like, you know, they told me think about what you need. I'm like, what does that mean? He goes... Uh, it's a Sicilian message. <laughs> I'm like, you should know that. Right? Uh, you know? So it means I, Luca Brasi's... I'm like, you know, he's swimming with the fishes. Yeah. The fishes. I'm like, I don't know. He goes, listen. He goes, this is what you're going to tell him. Tell him you want the money, because I didn't have the money. Yeah. Right? Oh, good. Tell him you want the money, and tell him you want to stay on the payroll, because you're, you're in your last two and a half years, and you want unlimited overtime. He goes, they'll never go for it. I said, really? I said, I, I don't really know how to do that. Like, that's kind of cocky. He goes, yeah, that's even more of a reason they won't go for it. So kind of like, you know, sheepishly, I get on the phone, and I'm like, so, you know, I think this transcends, you know, money because the police department is a big part of my life, and I owe it a lot, and I really don't want to leave. And Brilliant. You know. That's good. That's so good what do you need? I said, well, I, I need special assignment money and... Um, I want to stay on the payroll so I can, you know, kind of work overtime when I want. They're like, we'll get back to you. They call me three hours later. They go, you're getting promoted on Monday. You're starting on Holy Tuesday. Shit. Wow. I'm like, what? Really? And like, <laughs> That's happened. unbelievable, right? Yeah. Did you I, get the money? I did. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I negotiated my own money. 
Wow. He made him an offer. They couldn't. And then refuse. did you make? You made a lot of overtime then too. So do you remember something called March? March stood for another acronym: multi-agency response to community hotspots. Oh right? God! So it was a, it was a program where we'd go shut uh, problematic bars down, right, and problematic locations throughout New York City, and and we created this. Oh, they used to call it nuisance abatement. Bloomberg, it, Bloomberg had a task force of that. So that was it. That was so. So what happened was oh, Giuliani you, leaves, okay. and I stood in, in when the Bloomberg so the, came the in. The nightclub task force, basically. Yeah, it was called March, and I was the that was city a crime man. What they were doing to people's businesses. It was. It was terrible. It was disgusting. It really was. But I remember, you know, we went one one time. We got a gun out of one place, and the education that I got, you know, you'd go in with the health department. So basically, I was a I'm a sergeant special assignment on leave working for the mayor's office. And the mayor coordinates PD, FD. So does your time FD. not count now? It does. It, it does count. Yeah, I'm, I just stood on the payroll. I basically wrote my own. Oh, I so wait, so you're working for the mayor, but your, your, your PD I'm still time on the is books. still going. Wow. I'm still on the books. So, yeah. so my overtime basically- Do you get a salary from the mayor's office? No, no, I kept my salary. But you got to bump up in pay because you got the promotion to- uh, Special right. assignment. And I would put in for overtime and the mayor's office would sign it and say, just pay him. You know, um, that's so. like uh, that's like the, the television show Taxi when Louis burns down. Um, no, when Jim burns down Louis's apartment and, and he finds out Jim's uh, his father's rich. It's like how, much, how much should I ask for? A hundred thousands up here, twenty five thousand, thirty. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you know how many hours to put in for? You know, it, it was it was. Did really, you call a place like how many hours did you get? Forty. All right, sixty's uh, too much. I'll say fifty. Well. It was a little. It was. A, it was all documented because if we went out on a Friday night and the operation ended at you know two in the morning, I can't put down that I was working till six in the morning. It was mm -hmm. easy enough to find out that you know I wasn't going to mess around, but I would basically make the operations not by accident on Friday and Saturday nights right. because it was all RDO. Right. Wow. Right. right. So, um, uh, regular day off RDO. Yeah. Regular day. All regular, regular day. Got to pay you eight thirty. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it worked. And by out. operations, you mean that's when you'd actually pay a visit to the nightclub. Yeah. So we with, would uh, we would meet in the, with the task force. So let's say you were in the two four, right? Mm, so if you were in the six. two four or in the two six, we'd we'd go, we'd gather up in the muster room. All the agencies would meet. Well, okay, have a tack plan, the whole thing. But it's not like a warrant. It's basically what we're going to do. And then DP would be outside with a meter to measure decibels, right? So that was one ticket. Health would go in and put a. You ever seen them do this? This is the club. Yeah, this is what I, I, I railed against. They put a flashlight yeah. in a liquor bottle, like a they could take a bottle of Johnny Walker. They put a flashlight up, and there were just hundreds of dead bugs. Oh my god! In the in the liquor, and you would never know this. Who? Where? Every bar. Every bar we visit. Every single one. We did hundreds of them. They always they wow. had the same story. Those, those cockroaches were fucked up. They, 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 they weren't roaches. They I don't were, drink you know JD. They, were, they were like uh, dead fruit flies. You know oh those gosh. little fruit flies? They died were, happy, I'll tell you that. Right? Though. They were dead fruit flies, <laughs> and they were in the bottom. And then they'd take us in the kitchen, and they would, and health would see, like, they would say, hey, look at this. And you'd see, like, just, you know, where the, um, the burner that they would put the, the pot to, to cook everything, mm -hmm. there was like, you know, rat turds. Oh, good. Like, in the, it was really bad. So, like, when we closed them down, I, I got to tell you, I felt pretty good about All it. All right. Yeah, um, you live and you learn. Uh, but as far as the, the liquor goes with those dead bugs in it, seriously, if I'm pouring you a drink, 
and we're hanging out. And that's, that's you know, and there's a bug. You're going to take the bug out. <laughs> yeah. And who's not going to drink that? Well, listen, they were drinking it when we while we were in there, they were drinking it. But the thing you is, know? I mean, that, yeah. that probably only you. happens when you don't sell sell it quickly. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if you right? buy a good bottle of tequila, there's a worm at the bottom of it. <laughs> well, you, so you, that's my argument. You know, you know how it got in. You know, those I'm no lawyer. Red, you know those little red spouts? <laughs> yes. Yeah. If it didn't have the cover on oh, yeah, it, you the food flies would get in. And once yeah, they got yeah, in, yeah, they yeah, weren't yeah. getting out. Yeah, they die happy, man. Yeah. They go out. That's crazy. That's imagine that's their mission too. They're probably flying around, man. At the end of the night, they're like they're waiting. They're gonna like a form of an army and just fly right into the nose. I got a shitty life. Thing. I'm going out. Happy, yeah, man, you know. But you and know, they, so when you talk about you called it something different, March, but nuisance abatement, just uh, the whole thing in in the seven three precinct where four people were basically murdered inside and three, two or three other people shot. It was that a was an illegal... Den. Yeah, it was but a gambling den. Right, happens, that's another bro. illegal place. No, but that's what nuisance abatement does. You know what bothered yeah. me about it that's the most? Just, you know. I'll tell you. Because a lot, there was an area, it was, you could almost call it like a red light district. Well, we, we used to be uh, pros, a place to get prostitutes was that um, 26, 27, 28th Street and 11th Avenue over there. Back in the day... Prior to Giuliani, that's where you'd go when you could drive around there and get a prostitute. They yeah. were out there. Yep. Uh, it's now it seems like the strangest thing in the world to see an actual girl yeah. walking down the right. street in high heels, a garter belt. But this was in the middle of the winter, and yeah. you, there was ten of them around every corner. That's in this the way climate, the though. But but what happened was that trend. Back, wait yeah. wait wait wait. My point is. This transferred uh, or transformed into a nightclub area. They got rid of the prostitutes and they started building these nightclubs in an area that wasn't residential. So you could play the music a little louder, um, drive. You could. It weren't bothering anybody, and because some kids left there drunk or on drugs, which is that's what you do in a nightclub. Then that's when Bloomberg came in with the task force and he started shutting down these clubs that there was a lot of money invested in um, that were, there wasn't a reason to make a, a residential complaint because the music was too loud. They were, they were basically on 11th Avenue. There was not much commercial real estate, I mean, residential real estate over there at the time. Now it's developed. Yeah. No, but they get, they make but the this attention excuse- of the police by having assaults in there, shootings, things like that. That's how, what, what would happen was, I remember when we looked, when we looked at the data, uh, before a place came up on the, the hot sheet, for lack of a better term, there was numerous 61s coming right, out of these right. places. Yeah, but don't they forget, just, too, it's also by I mean, a command that wants to get that freaking place out of there. You got a captain that, what is your target area? Your, your, your one thing that you have to go to and talk about Comstat every week is, oh, all the things happen in the bars in my neighborhood. It's New York City. There's bars in neighborhoods. Yeah, but if you ever went to Comstat and you saw how they questioned the commanding officers, you got this problem location in the 2-3 right on the corner of the precinct called La Colina. Yeah, right. Because you've had four assaults there this month. What are you doing, commanding right. officer? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> he had to do something. They closed that place down. That place was yeah. there for years. They yeah. closed that's, it down. That's my, pro- yeah. that's my point. I mean, it's like a lot of these places closed down. They're bars, they're eateries. Right. You know, things, listen, things happen when you consume alcohol. You right. don't want things to happen. But then they got to police themselves or else the police yeah, will I police mean, them. I mean, but the, 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 what Bloomberg did was coordinated those task forces. He's put a lot of, out of every one of these nightclubs that were, ro- you know, they were basically open, open air drug markets. There were cl- nice clubs that the owners put a lot of money in, um, clubs that were worth millions and millions of dollars 
invested in these clubs. And because you had a couple of people that got into the club and used to come on a regular basis and start making it their place of employment yeah. by dealing drugs there, that's why you're going to close this whole club down. The owner's got nothing to do with this guy. Well, maybe the owner should have got rid of that guy. I, but That's a lot of problem, times, by yeah. the time you figure out, and there's a lot of them, yeah. you get rid of one guy, they're like cockroaches, they come back. Yeah, yeah. but if you, That's why when someone will say, a club owner will say, I got a liquor license, I will not put up with this shit. You right. know what I mean? Because it's pretty hard to get another one. a thousand yeah. people in your yeah. nightclub, how are you going to figure out who's selling the drugs? You're the owner of the club, you're probably not even there. Yeah. Good security. But that's, you know, from the city's point of view, that's that's not our problem. It's yeah. yours. You own the club. Right. Do something about it. That's the whole... Yeah. Know. And I can yeah. tell you that a lot of the clubs that, that we shut down were mm-hmm. real. They, they just... They weren't that. I think the food, the, the food thing is disgusting. The bug thing, I, 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 could, I could drink with bugs in there. <laughs> I guess that's, that's where the expression me. bug juice yeah, comes yeah. from. That's you just me. Bug juice. Well, now, look, with, with the rating system on a restaurant, you know, the A, B. Yeah, that's yeah. bullshit. I mean, if you get, if you get a that. B, you're probably a lot of people going to see that and is turn that around. Is that legit, though? I wonder, is, is somebody getting an envelope? They must be getting an envelope. They, they have must to be. be. You know? It's always an envelope. Yeah, there is an envelope. I don't trust you're right. I don't trust that either. But if you get a beach, but the think, truth is, it's you know. like listen, a lot of these places, man, they have food there all day. You know, they're cooking all day, and what are these things, uh, insects and, and rodents, attracted to? Odor, or food. So as soon as the lights go out, man, and let me, do you know when, when I was talking about warrants? When I worked on the 98th Street and Third Avenue, man, if you wanted to go eat lunch in a, in our little lunch lunch area, there was a bat. And the bat was uh, right next to the door. <laughs> the red you'd bat. Ba- you'd bang it down or you hit the wall a couple of times with it and you flash the lights on and you could watch the rats just leaving the room. Oh, I could see Going that. back up through the pipes and disappearing. And then you'd come in and you'd sit down and have your lunch. And you watch your TV and you fall asleep yeah, on the couch. That's disgusting, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> but you had to get them out of there first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of these clubs that even went back when we were in the 2 6, the Happy Land thing happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that 87 people. That well, was talking an about a club. Night, an Terrible. illegal club that had no exits. Right. It had one, the entrance was the exit. That was it. Right. Like, if you have a legitimate club that was millions of dollars invested in it, you got to kind of. Yeah, help the person out a little bit. You want to put undercovers in the club, lock up the drug dealers. If the owner's helping you out, right. You know? Yeah, but I don't know that we ever got that kind of request. Yeah, that's true, too. You should you know. get those kind of requests. Like, we all know back in the day when the, the guys that owned the, um, the Limelight, those, yeah. those, the, they became famous because somebody died in, under the, in their club or afterwards. I don't know. They made a movie about them. But those clubs, the owners were in cahoots. They were making money. Well, look at Scores. Money. There was a murder in Scores. Yeah. The, the Dodge brothers, they were real bad. Um, um, they shot up the front door. The yeah. kid that they shot up the front door was, uh, was a friend of mine. We were at the same agency. He was, a, he was from Philly. He came here, was 19, 20-year-old. He was a, a bar back, and he was actually leaving. And those brothers, they, they drove in front of the club and lit up the front of the club. And this bar back, this 20-year-old beautiful kid, man, from Philly, that his parents trusted to come into New York City, got killed. No shit, I yeah, didn't know that. Right there, 21 years old. They were bad. They were like yaks, you know, uh, Yemenis, Armenian, Croatians, yeah, and yeah, Serbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like organized crime type guys. Yeah, yeah. I Wasn't that the guys. story that they were telling about that we, they had the wrong guys at first, right? Was that the story? I'm not sure. The 19th Precinct had that case. Justin Peters was the lieutenant. Great, great guy. They gave him such a hard time at Comstat over that case. That's not Andrew Bibbs. I mean, uh, Bibbs story, right? Daniel no, Bibbs story, no. right? This was shit. I forget what year it was. They but had locked up the wrong guys. No, no, no. This was scores on the place on Sixty First. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. I know scores. Wow. I don't think it's there anymore. No, so. no, it's a different name now. It has a different name. 
but it, that's where our scores used to be. And most of those, um, you know, exotic dancer places, they're run by the wise guys, right? I don't know. What do you mean, smart people? <laughs> <laughs> people with wisdom. So, uh, so that's what became your forte, defending cops. You learned how to do that? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what I do, you know, uh, primarily is cops, cops' families. And, um, you know, the office does different things, but I do mostly defense, criminal defense. But you're handling defense. cases not just from up here, right? You're handling all in the, in the city, right? I'm all over the place. I mean, I have active cases in... I want to get your card. Riverhead, you got it. I'm collecting these cards. That's why we He's keep got having like three different on. attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dan Bibb, uh, you know, Joe Federal. Murray, hey, do you do any entry? pro bono work? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, the people that don't pay me, that's pro bono. <laughs> I want to get money. one of those me no comprendes. Yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. You no lo comprendes. No lo comprendes. Can you get me a no lo comprendes? <laughs> really good. It's a lot of, lot of. I guess there's a. What do most cops get jammed up for? Well, I could tell you that I. Uh, DWI, DUI. There's, there's, there's a bit of DWI in the trial room. I mean, I'm in a trial room all the time. So I mean, I started in the trial room in 1994, back when mm -hmm. I was in the Advocate. Now I'm on on the other side of the table. And um, for civilians, um, if obviously if a law enforcement officer commits a crime, that it's. Uh, well, then, you know, then you're going to have to do a criminal office. case. But yes. Sometimes you could have you do you could do something that's basically just a violation, or, yeah. or even get not get indicted. Like so you you a, can have both. You can have, and then you uh, have another case, which is a department trial. Exactly. So if you are um, arrested as a member of the service, you go through the criminal process like everybody else, and then even assuming you get acquitted in that criminal, you know, you're found not guilty, you then have a department trial to go to. Oftentimes, hand in hand with that department trial is a separate civil, civil case, suit right? mm -hmm. where the uh, corporation counsel or city law department could opt not to represent you. I mean, I've, I probably have um, seven or eight active cases where captain or above are currently in a scenario where the law department is saying, we're not, you're an off-duty car accident. You know, you got a category one car. You stopped at your girlfriend's house. We're not covering you. Um, wow. You tase the guy. Um, you supervised the tasing of a guy in front of his own house. It was a declined prosecution after the fact. By the way, we're not going to indemnify you, even though you were on duty. Um, I have a, all kinds of cases like that. So you um, were the supervisor. You weren't the one doing the ta tasing. You were the supervisor. You, yep. And somebody. No, got but doesn't it say the department has to indemnify you as long as your actions are within department guidelines and not reckless? Well, that second part is interesting because there's a legal bureau bulletin that gives them an out um, that basically has a catch-all that says if they don't think you are within department guidelines. So, for example, if you are involved in an on-duty incident and you're found to be, um, the CCRB says that you are uh, have a substantiated case, city doesn't have to indemnify you. That's Even outrageous. if you're not brought up, uh, which, which happens... Uh, invariably. So because you have a CCRB case? You can have a CCRB, substantiated case, city can walk away from you. But it, it could be a totally different case than what you're being... That what the No, usually the same fact pattern. So what'll happen is, um, for example, uh, somebody... Uh, like the, the tasing case, right? Mm -hmm. This guy is... At the time, he wasn't a captain yet. He's a lieutenant. He got promoted to captain, so now he's mine. But um, he is essentially... Uh, involved in a in a situation where he's legitimately 
using the minimum amount of force for this particular case. Um, and he's found in the criminal case, the defendant, the guy who gets tased, mm -hmm. is found to not be guilty of anything. Mm -hmm. So of course that same guy brings a CCRB case. CCRB turns around and says, you know, the benefit of hindsight, Mr. Defendant, now complainant in the CCRB, you're right, he's wrong. We are gonna substantiate the CCRB charges. And so now the cop is on his own. Legal representation. Not every time. Pay damages. Not every time, but oftentimes, and more often now in the current climate. In the last two years, I've never. I, I've had the CEA job of uh, general counsel to Captains Endowment Association since 2008. I have never seen more people be left out hanging uh, on hanging to, yeah. th than in the last year and a half. Um, so it's happening more and more. And um, what is um. A cop supposed to do there. A captain. Any member of the service. Any if, member. If what, you, what so you get served with papers. What will happen is a process server and say, uh, "Excuse me, Mark, you're served. Here you go." The first thing you do is you call the legal bureau and you put in what's called a request for legal assistance. Right. Legal bureau then channels that request to the city. The city looks at it and makes a decision whether or not you're going to be a represented, b indemnified, or c represented with something called the reservation of rights. In other words, we're going to represent you, but we reserve the right not to indemnify you if there's a finding against you in this subsequent... Indemnify, you're saying if there's a financial loss that the... The city the will pay it. Yeah. Correct. On yeah. your behalf. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the scariest thing. Because what cop has a million dollars or more liability well, insurance? They probably should these well, but days. The, but liability, see the thing, no no insurer is going to insure a cop. They, so you can't even happen. get insurance. No. Even if it, and, and so what does that tell the cop? Don't get involved. Exactly. It's like 1979. So there's no, there's no insurance companies out there just solely for cops. So none none Not has that been created I'm where... You can go there and say, "Listen, I'm going to pay fifty bucks a month." If you have a if you have a home policy that's an umbrella, and it's a million. That wouldn't cover you. Um, I can't imagine the carrier would step up and cover you. They would find a million different reasons. You know, insurance carriers. We we represent a couple of those too in different part of the office. Insurance carriers love to collect your premium. Yeah, they don't, don't want to pay. Like yeah. to pay out. That's right. not how they make their stockholders money. Um, and so. Have you ever read an insurance policy? Oh, it's impossible to read. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I, I've, I've, I've been an attorney for 23 years, and I'm I, by the time I get to page three, I'm like, wait, what? You got to go back and back. I mean, it's it's designed that way for right. a reason. Um, so the people that write them, they got to be brilliant people. A lot of them are JDs without the Esquire. Uh -huh. I found. Oh yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah. So they know about the researchers. They just oh, didn't yeah. pass the yeah. bar. Yeah, or That's they've never seen the inside of a courtroom. They just write yeah. legal. Yeah, they know how to like write legal, legal mumble jumbo. Oh, and it's uh, it's convoluted on a good day. Yeah, you know when a lawyer can't even make heads or tails out of it. Yeah, heads nor tails. Exactly. But the whole the whole use of force thing. I mean, it's scary that you know cops are afraid to use force as it is now. And now, if they do use it, you're saying there's a good chance that the city might not indemnify you. Yeah, if in you my get sued. experience, yeah. uh, it's been happening more and more. That's really scary. Um, Would you say there's a more often than even. not, there's a, there's a chance right now, more often than not, if you get sued, that you won't be represented? 
by the department? Mm, I can't say that. Is because, it 50-50, I mean, would you mm, say? I don't even think it's that. I, I, I think there are, I mean, anecdotally, I don't have any data or anything, but I think there are hundreds and hundreds of cases filed against the city and the police department. I think it's it's really a handful, um, which says not much for the poor guy who's in that handful. Right. Right? The guy or gal who gets served and they say, by the way, you're on your own. Hopefully, you know, the union steps up and is behind you. Um, they don't have to, but, you know, they could. But at some point, it gets to be very expensive. Some of these suits are brought in federal court. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's expensive. Is it better sometimes for, for a, a member of the service to actually go outside the job and get his own lawyer? Only because, let's just say for argument's sake, they're also going to argue that they were, what they were told to do Maybe that is gonna they're gonna sue the city on their own afterwards. You mean the cop is yeah. gonna turn around and sue the city? Well, is it they, always better for a cop to use a department lawyer, or is it better sometimes for them to go outside and get their own lawyer? So if you take a, a strictly on dollars and cents, it's unless the cop is independently. Forget wealthy. about the dollars and cents. I'm talking about. Uh, but the reality is, you could spend two hundred thousand dollars on a on a defense of a case, mm-hmm. and where's the cop gonna get that? Yeah. You know, and and that's the reality. Well, of the it. the big cases, the PBA uses the London's Ira London, right? Or well, Stewie so, London. So, yeah, well, I so, mean, if you're talking about your freedom, for example. Oh yeah. Well, look. I mean, it, it depends. I have to say that my counterparts in the other unions. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I really have to say it. They're excellent lawyers. No, because look, um, a lot of people say, look, if you go to a department dentist, what's going to happen? You're going to lose all your teeth. Or you go to a department <laughs> doctor. Yeah. But, they, could but, there but these are not department lawyers. They're, they're, they're lawyers that are hired and paid for by the union. By the union, Who, yeah. who will, you so know, more often than not go against the department. Uh-huh. It's not department lawyers. And the advocate where you used to work, who are those lawyers? Who are so those they're lawyers? prosecutors and they work for the police department. Their job so is to prosecute you administratively. But they're outside. In the trial room. So a lot no, no, of, they, they, they are they picking them from the job? Inside? No, most of them are former DAs. Okay. Um, and they are agency attorneys at different levels, agency attorney level one, all the way up to executive agency counsel. And so they are civilian lawyers that are employed by the NYPD mm-hmm. who have the interest of the NYPD. Right, let at- me just ask you one thing. The, the indemnification, uh, section 50K, was it? Is that the section of the law it was? 58. So how, does, how did that change over the years where the department has added new things where they don't want to back you up? So it's not things? the department that adds those things. It's the city, and it depends on the administration, and it depends on who the corporation council is, and it depends right. on how they want to implement that particular administration's policy. So some administrations have a policy of, hey, we'll settle everything. Other administrations historically have had a policy is no, we'll settle nothing and we'll make you um, we'll, take it yeah, we'll hold you yeah. we'll hold you to your legal burden of proving your case. And so it, it, there's a there's a, a lot of uh, variety. The, the statute hasn't changed. It's the way some administration put caps on what they would give out. So they'll give out to everybody, but you're not going to get a, more than this. Yeah, right? it could be that, or it could be some administrations are like you know, like Disney years ago had a reputation. If you sued Disney, you were taken into trial, and they don't settle anything. Going to the Supreme Court. Was yeah. like Giuliani's yeah. administration wouldn't settle anything. Uh, Dinkins' administration you know. settled everything. Yeah. Well, I don't know about everything. De Blasio, he started out settling the But a lot of times you weren't going to get what you wanted to. I was involved in an incident, and it was at a church, and there was an off-duty cop, a domestic incident, 
he got suckered into it. They held him like basically hostage there. All the cops that responded there were also trapped behind his gate. Long story short, there was a lawyer involved in it from the beginning. It was a setup. At the end, everybody got 5,000 bucks. I thought they thought they were going to get a lot, lot more than that, but that, that's what it came down to. The so 5,000, yeah, it's like nuisance value. Right. Basically, the city figured it's, it's cheaper for us to pay out. It was this. like 30 people. They probably all thought they were going to cash in on millions and millions of dollars, and they all got $5,000 a piece. But that's, all, that's because they also found out that one of the, the, the persons that were there was a lawyer and, and how they came up with the plan, whatever. But listen, I wanted to ask you this important question before I forget. The best advice that you can give to a member of the service, God forbid they get jammed up. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a really broad question, but jammed up, let me, let me put it this way. If an investigator comes to your house, mm-hmm. and I've had this, if the FBI comes to your house at six o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. they knock on your door, and they're like, hey, can we talk to you? Mm-hmm. The best advice, or for that matter, IAB or anybody mm-hmm. knocks on your door. The best advice I could ever give, and it's really hard for cops to do this because cops don't want to say, I'm, you know, screw you, I'm going to call my lawyer. Right. You respectfully say to that investigator, um, can I have your card? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have my lawyer call you like in a few minutes, but just let me have your card. That does two things. Number one, gives you something to do so you don't come off, you're not self-conscious about being disrespectful to fellow law enforcement. But number two, and more importantly, it attaches your right to counsel. Remember in the police academy, they said, once the right to counsel attaches, it's, absolute. it's indelible. Yeah. You can't waive it anymore. Mm-hmm. Once, that's why in the, in the, you watch the TV show Billions, when they go to get Wild Bill, he's like, lawyer. He says, he says the word lawyer like six times. Yeah. Lawyer, that's it, right? right? Because the worst thing you can do is inadvertently make a statement that seems innocuous and innocent to you and that becomes the pinnacle and the focal point of the case that they use against you. Right. So that's the single most cogent advice I could give. Get a card mm-hmm. from the investigator. So my lawyer's going to call you in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And then call your lawyer. Mm-hmm. All right. That's great advice. No, because yeah. the FBI like always tries to get people in perjury traps too. Well, and that's why they come at 6 o'clock in the morning. Because right. you're not going to be on your game. They're like, hey, you know, you're, you're, most guys are like, hey, you want to have a coffee? You know? You're sitting there and like you're in your robe and like they're talking to you. And um, look, you know, you lie to an FBI agent. It's like committing perjury in, uh, in court. It's the biggest bullshit scam going. It's, it's a federal all statute. Cases, all the cases that they're bringing against, uh, well, True. now it's pretty much done. But all those people that they wound up locking up trying to get to Trump. They're all FBI interviews that they got charged. And we see how much the they main, tell the truth, right? When your main oh, charge on somebody is that you lied to a Fed, not found guilty of what they came to talk to you about, but that the fact that you screwed something up, it's a bullshit yeah. case. Well, think about Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart did a year mm-hmm. because none, none of the underlying crimes that she was investigated for ever got substantiated or proven. She did a year because she lied to the FBI. And she did a year. You know, and it's also so, mostly because she didn't say, um, "Could I have a card? I'm going to have my lawyer call yeah, me in a few minutes." Yeah, that's a beautiful opening. You that's what they did that. to. Could uh, I have a card? They did that to Patty Regan from the Three Four Anti Crime with uh, Michael O'Keefe, and they tried to get him to testify, and even the department was gonna, almost had him flaked. They said, "Go there in a suit." He went there in uniform, full uniform, and he took the fifth, and they were so pissed. They, and the department told him not to take the fifth. It's yeah. like they're looking to do me for perjury. Yeah. 
As soon as they start to question, I take the fifth. Take that, the fifth. And that's and that's a scary proposition because if you take the fifth, they could the department theoretically could suspend you for that. But at that point, you have to look at your priorities. Yeah. I mean, and if my priorities are if I'm gonna get suspended, look, after 30 days, they gotta pay me anyway, right? Um, under civil service law, you you can't be without pay for more than 30 days unless you waive that right mm -hmm. under Article 75. So you're talking about taking the fifth. If you're taking the fifth, it means that you might be exposed to a criminal charge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Take the fifth. Right. So he did the right thing. Well, he must have had a good attorney advising yeah. him of that because yeah. the department didn't advise. They told him to do the opposite. It's amazing how you work for a law. You're a law enforcement officer, and God forbid something happens to you, you don't know what the hell to do. You're as good as a, the dumbest perp. Duh. I, I have what do you want to you. talk about? <laughs> my, 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 my clients who get themselves in the most trouble, without exception, by talking too much, without exception, cops, especially investigators, which is shocking, yeah, right? shocking yeah. and lawyers, they always talk too much. Always. It's amazing. You know, the old, when the attorney kicks you under the table, mm -hmm. he's not playing footsie. Mm -hmm. He's telling you to shut stop up. talking. Yep, shut up. You know? Um, All right, so repeat after me if you're out there. Um, would you mind if I have a, a card? And I'm going to have my lawyer contact you in a few minutes. Yeah. Could well, I please have a card? And I'm going to have my lawyer contact you in a few minutes. Repeat yeah. that. Constantly repeat that to yourself. But you know, there, there was a time when, when IAB used to kidnap cops and bring them to a secret place. Do you remember that? It was do. a sergeant at two six that I, happened to. I, I remember it. I, I mean, I remember like hearing about it. You know, like, um, but I, I don't know anybody it actually happened. to. I know someone it happened to. You know, and I never really got a firsthand. I, do you remember in, in the two six there used to be something called back then? There was field internal affairs. Yes. You know? Yeah. And there was a they guy. They were like junior IAB. And they were remember <laughs> they were like they used to park in the they used to have their office in the garage like yeah. above the garage where yeah. we would park. Yeah. And there was a guy who was trying to recruit, he would come once a week to try and recruit me. And he'd be like, hey, Sarge, so have you had enough of this? Why don't you come over, you know, see the office. What is it, FIS, right? Field Internal Affairs Unit. Field Internal Affairs, Affairs Unit. Unit. They did the real cheesy shit, you know, like it, you didn't respond to the job quick enough or something. Know, you didn't and, give back a disposition. And they were like, what do you want to go, what do you want to go around the clock and do, you know, come, you know, you come in and he goes, you know, the guy was like, you're a squared away guy, you know, you're pretty sharp, why don't you, and I'm like, and the guy, he was a lieutenant. I'm like, you know, hey, Lou, I'm, I'm good, but thanks, man. You mm -hmm. know? And uh, we had too many characters in the 2-6 oh, to let that go. You know? You know, it was, it was really, to go back in the 90s to go to IAB was a, a career killer. It was IAB you would, then. Yeah, you would be looked at, he's a rat. No matter what, he's a rat. And then years later, it was smart. They started, uh, you didn't have a choice. They recruited guys. And they, and they recruited they some of the you. sharpest people. Yeah, they did. They, so you, know. you take the stigma away from it. Yeah. But, they you know, I, I think that was a good thing because by recruiting some of the sharper people, I think the quality of the investigations was... You gave us uh, the, 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 the best advice that you can give. We repeated that to our audience on a, uh, a few times. I made them repeat it at home. You, we can't see it, but they'll be repeating it at home. What's the second best piece of advice you can give? The second best piece of advice I could give, if you are being read the Miranda warnings, right, which we've all given... Mm -hmm. You should reinterpret that to read as follows. Anything you say can and will definitely be used against <laughs> you. And nothing that you, can, that you say here and now is going to help you. Mm -hmm. 
So don't say anything. Yeah, that's interesting. And that goes back to the thing with the lawyer at first. Because once you ask him for the card and your lawyer, I'm going to contact my lawyer, you're basically letting him know, I have counsel, you can't ask me anything. So even even now, I'm asking for counsel, you still have people that will start talking and blabbing? Yeah, um, you do. And because they want to be, quote unquote, helpful. Um, And I mean, there's a little bit of buff in all of us. Mm-hmm. Right, like I, I don't know about you. You guys are retired. How long? I've been out eight years. Seven. I'm coming up on seventeen, man. Wow. I walked up. I walked out no two. Right. I had my time on the books, and I got to tell you, if um, you know, I still like walking up and talking to a cop and like, hey, how's it going? You know, twenty and out and all this kind of stuff. And if a cop or an investigator or a Fed came to talk to me, it's almost in our nature to talk to the guy because you know you're part of a brotherhood that will never leave you. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to to put a, a a line between you and that brotherhood, thinking, "Wow, th- this brother might be trying to get in, you know, information or evidence to use against me." Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to overcome. Yeah, you know. Um, so that's why you have to, uh, you know, you got to be professional and you got to be courteous. Hey, after you, um, you know, you get you call the lawyer and you say the word lawyer, you can give him a cup of coffee because at the end of the day. No matter what you say, you what can't if, well, use it. <laughs> yeah, because mm-hmm. you, you're, you're, especially if there's a record of you calling that lawyer, mm-hmm. and that lawyer calling within a few minutes, which is we pride ourselves on that. You know, we go on call outs. People get into shootings. We go out in the middle of the night. Um, we have twenty four seven. It's better to use service. your own cell phone. You know exactly because there's now there's a record. If there's ever an issue that says, well, hold on a second, that statement can come in. Uh, no. It can't come in because his right to counsel attached, and it attached the FBI's there at 10 after 6. The lawyer got a call at 6.15. At what point did he tell you all this wonderful stuff? Right, In right. three minutes? Well, really? do you request a telephone message when you call a police department, a precinct? This is a, a you know, counsel. Oh, in other words, to, Louis oh, LaPietra, all the time. I represent so-and-so, make a telephone message of this, well, And please. I do it by fax. Yeah, that's so great. Not yeah. only do I do it by phone, but, um, you know, so, I mean, we have people all the time. Look, if there's an active warrant, right, somebody missed a court date, mm-hmm. um, they're going to, I'm, I'm like, look, let's do it easy. I'll call the squad. Hey, what tour are you working? And I know, I know when there's night arraignments. I know when the guy's going to be out of the system the quickest. I'm not asking you to do anything, but the last thing I'm going to do is surrender you on a Saturday night. Oh, forget about it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, but I mean, a lot of people, the civilians don't know that. Like, no, they don't you know, know that at all. Um, so, you know, you make it work, right. you know? Yeah, meet me at court. I'll meet you right in front or... Right. As far as your... When you represent, say, a cop suing the city, what is some of the biggest things you sue the city for on behalf of a member of the service? Um, most of it is Title Seven stuff, which is, um, gender discrimination. Oh, EEO uh, stuff. EEO stuff, yeah. uh, for the most part. Um... I don't represent the city. I never take a case where they want to sue a cop for, um, you know, like uh, excess force or something Uh like that, 1983. Don't touch those with a 10-foot pole. Um, If it's one of ours uh, or an applicant sometimes, we represent applicants who get turned down for the wrong reason, we'll, um, you know, we'll go after um, Lefrak City Health Services and try to get them, you know, uh, a fair shake and that kind of thing. It's a funny thing that you mentioned that because we started off the show... And one of the highlights was your hair, and uh, you were in a band. You were in a band. You were going into the police department. Yeah. And that lieutenant told you, 
Everybody gets to get a haircut, come back by the end of the week with a fresh haircut. You you come tomorrow, I want yeah. to see you with your haircut. Yep. Now you're representing people. I go to the police academy every week. I work there. I do the acting in, the, in a program there. If you see what you can get away with now as far as facial hair, the hair on your Different head, world, man. what yeah. you can wear on your head, yeah. oh, my God. You yeah. can wear whatever you want. Yeah. You could have I wouldn't be surprised if you can have piercings. Well, can you imagine in, in today's world if the if the uh the, the guy from the academy walked up to a recruit and said, "Everybody has till Friday, but you're being singled out. You have until oh, tomorrow okay. to do anything." Yeah. To do anything. I mean, it's yeah, like, yeah. You, you know. Well, just even the cutting the hair, man. Yeah. I mean, they somebody posted a picture on on uh, Facebook the other day. It was at a, a female sergeant at a detail. They didn't show her face. But they showed her hair, man, and it was uh, obviously some type of extension or something, but it was all the way down. She was a short lady anyway, but it was all the way down to uh, past the, the middle of her back, and it was like kind of sort of dreadlocks, and it was purple. There used to be a time where a, a female officer's hair had to be almost like in, in a, a bun, bun on yeah. top of her head, fit underneath her hat. You said nothing by the neck. And this was a girl that had, that, had the hat on, like, almost like Popeye in a way. Yeah. It was a, a freaking joke. And, um, you know, for us, it bothers us because when we came on the job, there was this, uh, this uniform that you had to follow, you know, and now it just seems like you can get away with anything. And part of me also thinks, you know what, who gives a shit? You know what I'm saying? If they're a good cop, how long their hair is. But, but the- it is a perception, though, as far as, um, you know, the way the public sees you, because even pe- like Americans is one thing. But you get people that come from other countries here, for, you know, they're immigrants. Yeah. You know, they're used to be their law enforcement looking a certain way. They might not respect you if you're. But hair's not- a safety issue too. If well, your hair's that say, long, can't they somebody can go up and grab yeah, and, and and like you know yank yank some you know yank a head back and like go yeah. for her gun or something? Yeah, I mean, isn't absolutely. That a legitimate- I mean, that's why we always had those pull away ties. Yeah, yeah, yeah the breakaway get, tie. Yeah, yeah if not, you get strangled with it, the other. Take the yeah. tie, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. What about piercings? You think they're ever going to... Because tattoos are like... You, every a cop can wear tattoos. Now you can't say nothing to them, right? Well, but... And that's fine. And and it's uh, in the military also. You know, in the military, mm-hmm. you see guys with sleeves yeah. and stuff. And um, But then what's the slippery slope? I mean, so if I want to tattoo something on my face, yeah, should I be able to do that? And then um, what are you tattooing on your face? What if I want to put thug life on my forehead? And be a cop? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> Everything's been tried, right? I, I mean... You're going to be trying that soon one day. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That inspector that put out the book about yeah. what a thug he was, right? I, I, I can't comment on him. He was actually one of my CEA members at the time. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, there was a book? About, he has a book. He was an inspector. About, about he said that he life. came up as a thug mm-hmm. and then became an inspector in the police department. And what, what, why is that a problem? Well, because... I see, because the police department, unfortunately, gets held to this... The standard, and yet the president of the United States has a book out that, well, the former president, about how he smoked pot in college, uh, and when he could afford it, they got cocaine. There's a line in there that says right. that. So you mean yeah. to tell me some low police officer uh, that were, you know, really, some B cop can't, back in the day, have been part of uh, something or another? Yeah. Well, I don't know. What do you think about that? Listen, I mean, I, I think that... Um 
to some extent, I mean, I look, none of us were angels growing up. No, but, I, I certainly wasn't. And I don't know. I, I you know, it's because we live it, in that slippery slope, though. I mean, so what is it that you admitted to? If you admitted to smoking pot or drinking, it's one thing. If you admitted to being part of a, a murder for hire conspiracy oh, plot, that might be yeah. a different thing. So I think every case um, deserves to be judged on its own merits. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's one size fits all in anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you, you got to look at the. Uh, at the actual facts, you got to look at, you know, there's the old, right? We were told as cops, hey, there's your side, there's my side, and there's the right, truth. There's three sides. There's to always, there story, always yeah. is, you know? Um, but, you and, know, the interesting thing you said about some cops suing about not getting on the police department, and one area that they can uh, disqualify you is psychologically. Yeah. Because that's not a science. But, but psychologically, right? So who's to say that the individual psychologist who represents uh, the department, who interviews... Mark, and decides that Mark's not right. Like you know, like Mark's looking at mm-hmm. me right now. Like you know, all bias. He's he's like I don't like the way he's looking at me, and so yeah, yeah. I'm gonna fail him. Is that an objective Credible basis reason, upon yeah. which to deny Aren't someone? Aren't they coordinating that with the written psychological though? Don't they do like? Yeah, a, they a, do. Look, a, I mean, I I went on psych review, and it's interesting, and it, it goes back to maybe I wanted to be which a lawyer. I agree with, by the way. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> No, and, and, and the question... He's a Yankee fan. Do you remember... Go Yankees, baby. Um, do you remember there was something... We all took it. It was called the, uh, the, multi-phas- the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Profile. It was 1,500 questions. Oh, yeah, I remember that. The same yeah. 100, but yeah. they repeated yeah, it 15, 15 times. times yeah. Right? Yeah. And one of the questions was, have you ever been intoxicated? Mm-hmm. So I like read into that. I'm like, so I put no. So they, they call me in for a review. And they're like, well, you're 18 years old. You know, you look like you, uh, you're you in a rock band or something. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you've never been intoxicated? I said, well, can you define intoxicated? Mm-hmm. And I said, no. It's a simple question, yes or no. I said, well, in that case, no. And he said, well, how do you say that? You've never gone out drinking? I said, yes. Mm-hmm. I said, um, what's the problem? They're like, well, you've never been. I said, you know, I look at intoxicated as like really drunk, not in control of your emotions, not in control of what you're doing or saying. And then I see like having a couple of drinks and having a few laughs with friends. I don't consider that to be intoxicated. So what standard are you applying to the question? You were already a lawyer and you yeah, didn't have man, your degree. That's man. great. Well, no, but she was, she was like, uh, you know, then, then what are they overturned it? But I mean, mm-hmm. it was a stupid question. No, but there, you know, there's so much room for bias in those yeah. disqualifications. Sure. It's too, tough. It's know? tough. And especially there's, we're going to open up another whole window if we start going into the type of drugs that they're administering to people who have psychological problems and can you have them when you get on the job. But we're going to save that for this when we have you back. All right. Well, listen. Because it, believe it or not, thanks for having me, man. We're at the. Uh, we're wow, the, this went fast. The, I know, didn't yeah. it, though? Yeah. Always you were a great guest. Yeah. Thank Excellent. you. Thank, thanks. Thanks. I think me. once again, I want to see you before uh, no, we get a couple of years, though. You guys, I got to <laughs> yeah. plug my rock band, man. Plug it. All right, we're gonna Ratland. we're gonna plug a couple of things, but I just want to we I get we get a couple of compliments, and the, the words are always uh, the funny, informative, and and if, there's uh, another compliment that you give us, but this sexy. Actually, but this is um interesting funny interesting and informative just got that yesterday from from a fan of the show but this is exactly the type of show that we're talking about it was it was it was a fun time i even learned a lot um and for those folks playing along at home don't forget man um could i have uh, your card please and i'll have my lawyer call you back in a couple of minutes a few minutes Keep, repeat that to yourself yeah. and also the second thing is if they read you miranda 
um, always remember, don't say nothing and shut the fuck up. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, so listen, let's plug this rock band of yours. Where are you playing? So What's the name of the band? First the name of the band is Rattlin, R-A-T-T-L-I-N apostrophe, which is um, basically two rattlesnakes and uh, it used to be Rattlin Hum. It was uh, a U2 yeah, yeah, tribute yeah, band. Yeah. Um, actually, is that what it is? It's a YouTube channel? No. So interestingly, it started that way. Now it's more like Van Halen, Led Zeppelin. And we have a killer guitar player. Um, you guys, I think, were interviewed by um, Liz Widolowski. Liz Widolski, yeah. So yeah. she's a huge friend of the band. She helps yeah. promote us. She's nice. Uh, we're at Pete's Saloon on Saturday, October 19th. Where is that Pete's Saloon? Um, Nine Main Street in Elmsford. Uh, it's right off the sawmill. Really good okay. food. Really good drink. What's really the good date crowd. Again? Uh, Saturday, October 19th, um, we have a pretty decent following, pretty loyal. Do you have a website? We do. It's uh, on Facebook where it's R-A-T-T-L-I-N. And on Instagram, it's at Rattlin underscore band, R-A-T-T-L-I-N underscore band on Instagram. There are videos. Um, we're not, and I really, re I really have to say this. We're not your typical bar band. Mm -hmm. We have a lead singer who is an actor by day. He's been on Boardwalk Empire. He's a Broadway guy, voiceover guy. And he is an EDP, <laughs> which for non-police stands for emotionally disturbed person in a good way. <laughs> Crazy high energy, runs up and down on the bar, gets people to sing, gets people to dance. It's a really entertaining night. And we have, and I'll put this out there, uh, in podcast world, <laughs> our guitar player is so good. And I've said this to people, the guy's so good. That if you don't come and see, if you come and see a show and you're like, you know, that guy wasn't that good, give me your check and I will pay it. <laughs> I have never had to pay a check in 10 years. That's how good this guy is. It's a guitar hero for adults. Cool. Rattlin, R-A-T-T-L-I-N, Pete Saloon. And you play mostly Led Pete. Zeppelin and... Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, Foo Fighters, Alice in Chains, yeah, Elvis Costello, probably, Cars, Eddie Money. ACDC? ACDC. Yep, absolutely. I'm, I gotta I sing look at my uh, my my. Well, I have a show that night, so I'm. Well, we don't start till ten o'clock. He's always bragging. This guy. Oh come on! You what, got a what show. Time is <laughs> show. He's out every single night. Starts at eight. Is that at Lucy's? Yes, but you know, it's in Elmsford. I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go and talk to that guy about getting the band in there. I think we'll. Oh yeah, that we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, 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 we'll yeah, tear yeah, the walls should. down, bro. Yeah, they have a band there every night. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look for this date, and hopefully, I'm playing somewhere up north where I can do both. If I do have a show. Yeah, we're on from like ten to one thirty, so it's it's not a, it's a, yeah, it's a late night. And what was the second thing you wanted to promote? Promote the law firm too. The law firm is La Pietra and Krieger. Uh, our website is www.excoplawyer.com. E X C O P. Do you have your own olive oil or you don't? That's coming up. Uh, no. <laughs> not a bad idea, though. Yeah, no. A lot less La stressful Pietra than doing what oil. I do. Yeah, why not? You know? Bill, plug your show again. I got a show at Lucy's. It's called the Oktoberfest Comedy Show. There's one uh, at six, and I'm on the, uh, the show at eight o'clock. I'm hosting the show with some really good comics. Let's have fun. Drink some beer and celebrate October. Good stuff. All Thanks right, for uh, having me, guys. I hey, really yeah, had a listen, good time. Uh, before, before I say goodbye, I just wanted to also put a plug in, and that is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's November 5th. November 5th, Stand Up for Autism. It's going to be in Long Island. Uh, I just want to make sure I get out there. I want to do the right thing. Susan Reek, is, um, she's a retired sergeant, and they do wonderful work for, uh, for families who have... Uh, uh, kids who have autism and they're on uh, uh, Suffolk and Long Island. They help those people out over there. And also too, the fact that I did appear, uh, recorded it, uh, that episode that I'm on, it's called Caesar. 
the show is called FBI Most Wanted. It's a spinoff of the show FBI that's on TV right now. It's going to be on CBS, CBS. The premiere's in January. My episode is called Caesar. It'll be on uh, sometime in the middle of February. Awesome. And now, before we part, I just want to say um, thank you so much for gracing us. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, this was Bill. an honor it to have you here. Uh, it's it's weird seeing you after all these years. Twenty nine years we haven't you know, seen. What, what uh, yeah, it's crazy. But I've followed you. I'm career, surprised right? you guys yeah. even re- like recognized each Looks other. Looks exactly the same. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, just because of your memory loss when you get that age. Yeah, yeah I don't have memory yeah. loss. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> well, funny, I, I can't remember what happened. I remember so many things about him. We used to I'm speak Italian with the commanding officer. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go to Arthur Avenue today after I go see the Joker. Yeah, man. Columbus Day on Arthur Avenue is always a good thing. And this show is just, I love it, man, because yeah. I'm getting to meet these wonderful people that uh, yeah. that Bill brings in here, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Louis. Thanks, Bill. Great seeing you, man. Great seeing you, man. All right, man. On behalf right. of uh, Police Off the Cuff, man. And go York, Yankees. And the tour. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, no, you, you say, I was going to say it for you. Go buddy. Yankees. All right. Go Jets, man. <laughs> All right. So, you know...